All right. Welcome back, everybody. There's, uh, wow, just so much going on right now. Um, I wanted to just first, before I get into this episode, Buckeye Banter, thanks for tuning in. Um, just touch on what's going on with the United States right now. And uh, I'm not trying to get into political stuff because I don't think that's what anyone comes here for. Um, but I think that individually, um, there's something that we are, in my opinion, allowing social media and a lot of other things to impact um, us. And I think that um, we need to remind ourselves that, um, and probably this whole impact of, of a pandemic for the last large amount of time that we've been in it, keeping us separated from maybe even some of these people that we're now viewing. And I say this, again, not trying to be political. I think that um, both sides are very much um, at fault in this. Um, but we start to see people who, for the most part, we've always been able to get along with as this extreme adversary. And... Sadly, I think um, the politicians are just using it against us again on both sides. Um, those of you who know me well know more or less where I stand politically. I'm not trying to get into politics with this. I'm just saying personally, one of the things that I've noticed and been wary of for a long time is the, the, how, the way this is playing out in our lives as social media and... Um, big tech and other things kind of isolate us and put us in our own little bubbles. Um, but I can speak from personal experience. Um, when I was in college, I was in a fraternity and those fraternity brothers of mine, a number of you watched this. Um, when I was in high school, I played football um, and I was involved in other sports and other things, um, including swimming. And swam for a little while in college. And as a result of many of those um, endeavors, I have lifelong friendships. Um, my fraternity brothers, there are numerous of them that I, um, to this day, continue to be um, in fairly frequent contact with. Um, and that's been one of the good things that technology has allowed us to do. But... When I don't, when I let myself get into the, the, what happens often in social media and, um, in this tech driven world of ours, I can forget that those people, many of which who I disagree with on many levels politically, um, I know I can count on them, um, if something happens, um, major events in my life, my little brother died in a car accident, a number of them showed up, um, got married, a number of them showing up, I've been at numbers of their weddings, um, if something happened and I just knew I needed something, I know I can count on many of these people, um, and that has nothing to do with what we think of politically in, in the world, it has everything to do with just being good friends 
and there's been a long time in this country that we've been able to be friends and not think the same thing politically, but somehow um, that is dying. And I think that's going to be much quicker the end of our country than any of these other things that we get wrapped up in our heads from what um, whichever of our side wants to tell us is, is the problem. Um, not realizing that other Americans, just because they think differently than us, can still be our friends, will quickly end our, our democracy much, much more quickly than anything else. So I just want to say, hey, let's all really, as was said a long time ago, let's just get along, like legitimately. Remember that the guy next door who maybe voted for the other party that you don't like is your neighbor. And you used to probably hang out and talk with him, and now everyone tells you you can't because he likes the other guy. Well, you can. It's really going to be okay. You can disagree on a lot of things, and you can still be friends. Um, there's a lot of people that I consider to be pretty good friends that I don't agree with on many, many things. But they're good friends, and I would be there for them in a pinch if need be, and I know that they would be there for me in a pinch if need be. So I've already rambled on for longer than I meant to on this, but I just wanted to, to begin this episode because there's a lot of crazy happening right now, um, and there's a lot going on in the sports world that I want to get to, but I just want to start with that. So with that, let's get to this episode of Buckeye Banter. We're going to talk about Brown's playoffs primarily, but we're also going to talk about that big Indians trade, and we're going to talk about the Cavs just for a hot second. So let's get right into this episode of Buckeye Banter. Welcome, welcome to Buckeye Banter, Sports in the OH. Alright, so, Cleveland Browns, let's start with them. We got this huge, huge playoff matchup against the Steelers. Um, lots of coaches not going to be not gonna be out there. Um, if you've been following us on Facebook, you've seen, I know, right, I've been ranting about social media, but here I am, a social, a social media presence. Um, not a big one, but hey. <laughs> um, so if you've been following us on social media, you've seen a lot of the updates. We've been trying to keep that stuff updated on our page. Um, missing a lot of coaches. We're going to be missing a number of players. It's not exactly sure yet, but you know, Stefanski definitely won't be out there. Um, Callahan, O'Shea, uh, numbers and numbers of coaches. So, Pryfer is going to be the acting head coach, who is normally the special teams coordinator. And the offensive coordinator, Alex Gumpel, will be calling plays this week. Um, yeah, it's going to be crazy. Um, so, player-wise, we're missing bunches of guys as well. Um, we're going to be without Petonio. We're going to be without Ronnie Harrison. Um, possibly without Jack Conklin, but I think he's probably going to be okay. Um, obviously we already lost Olivier Vernon to the IR. Um, signed a couple guys off other teams' practice squads. So this team is getting desperate. And you know what? It sucks because we waited a long time to make the playoffs. But we can count on the fact that, hey, you know what? We made it. We're in. 
And if this doesn't end up being the year we make the big run, which maybe it won't be, um, you know, we're still going to potentially have um, a different outlook on things because I think people are going to look at this team differently coming into next year. Um, I do think that we got back off the, yeah, we got back Andrew Sendejo, who was actually playing his best football lately. I've been hard on him, but he was playing a little better lately. Um, and it looks like, yeah, that's, oh, and we got back BJ Goodson. So that was another good, good sign. We could definitely use Goodson. Um, yeah, so it's going to be rough. Um, I hate to say it, I, I find it really hard to imagine we somehow win this game. So I, I won't make that prediction. Um, but I think that we're going to give them a game and, uh, yeah, I look forward to to seeing what that how that turns out. So yeah, I I find it really hard to imagine that we somehow can pull off this win. Um, but I'm obviously rooting for that. But it's going to be a big big challenge for us. So uh, I think we do put up a heck of a fight. I don't think this team goes down without a fight. But I think it's going to be tough. Um, so if we can ground and pound and we can keep them. Um, off the field that's going to be the, the real key to this game is just um, you know how well can we do that with the backup linemen that we're going to have to use so it's going to really depend to what degree we have to rely on backup linemen if Conklin can't go boy that gets really tough because um, we're already going to be missing Betonio and if Conklin is out now if somehow we um, don't get to have Miles or Sheldon Richardson, who Stefanski seems to indicate should both be a go. That'd be problematic as well. But I think that we probably can count on getting them both in, in the lineup. Betonio is definitely going to be the hardest one. And then obviously, um, you know, Conklin. But um, again, I think... Stefanski seems to think that Conklin will go. So, can we control the line of scrimmage even with all these um, potential out, people out of the game? Because that's, I think, what it's going to boil down to for us. Control the line of scrimmage defensively and offensively. Um, so, we'll see. Uh, obviously, I would like nothing more than to beat the Steelers. Um, there are a few things in this world that um, make me happier than beating the Steelers. So we beat their JV team, and now we need to beat the, the A team. So we'll see. Um, Sunday night, it's going to be a big one. It's going to be a real big one. Um, let me know your thoughts. Let me know if you think we can win this, even with all that's going on. Um, let me know what your your prediction is for this game. My, sadly, I'm going to go with we lose 24-21. Uh, like I said, I think we're going to make it a game. I don't think we're going to roll over, but I think that it's, um, it's just going to be too much. So 24 or 27-21 is my prediction for, um, for that Browns game this Sunday night. Indians. Wow. Um, if you watched our... Um, Indians off-season 
videos that I've been doing, you would have seen me preview a bunch of possible trades for um, for Lindor. And the Mets were definitely one of the teams that I mentioned as being a, a very high probability. I think a lot of people feel that felt that way. Um, I personally didn't like, and I still am not a huge fan of the the match that they were for us. Um, organizationally, we have a lot of middle infield talent. Um, it's a strategy that I think they're using as an organization. There's a lot of belief that um, the guys who play middle infield, especially shortstop, are just all around good athletes, and you can generally move them to second base, third base, even the outfield, um, if their defense doesn't hold up to be major league caliber um, shortstops. So it's kind of a thing that the, that the Indians do. Um, so they have a lot of depth in the organization um, behind Frankie. Again, not a lot of it is quite ready, um, including, I think, one of the pieces that we got from the um, Clevenger deal. So where does that leave us then? Well, now, when I looked at trades, I, I looked at two different options that, you know, maybe we could do. Um, and I didn't touch Jimenez because I, I thought personally that we weren't going to necessarily want the, the major league ready player to come back in this deal to be the infielder. Just because we do have a lot of guys who are, um, like I said, about to reach... Um, the level there, uh, the major league level that are that are that are middle infielders. Um, uh, yeah, like I said, Gabriel Arias is one of the guys that's um, not far off. Um, there's there's more. Um, so I thought we might get Rosario. That was what I had looked at. Um, but I was looking at other outfielders because I wanted someone who was a little closer or already in the big leagues. So I primarily was focusing on Dominic Smith. Um, now, Dominic Smith, unfortunately, what, what was always my hesitation with him in the deal, although I thought he was the best option for us, was that he's not really a great defensive outfielder, and we already have that. So if we have guys who can hit, they can't play good defense in the outfield. So that's been our struggle, right? We've got Reyes, and we've got maybe Naylor. Um, you know, so we're trying to find these outfielders who can hit and who can play defense. Um, oh, and all we've been able to find is guys who can hit but can't play defense or guys who can play defense but can't hit. Um, so we have to find that, you know, that mix. Um, so we'll see with this deal um, what happens and what they do. Um I didn't predict us to make this deal with it, including um, Carrasco. Um, um, so let's just look at the pieces here of the deal. Um, I thought we might include Carrasco or trade him separately. I was I very much talked about that, and I, I saw that as a real likelihood, considering all the things we're hearing from this organization. Um, but I wasn't imagining it happening with the Mets. So in the end, as you can see here, um, I like baseball trade values. They, they, they seem to be um, fairly well thought of and, and they do a pretty good job of kind of figuring out what these players are, are more or less worth in the baseball world. Um, so 
you can see Lindor's value. Now his fact, all these factors are into it, right? So like how much did you have to pay to get what you get out of him? And how long do you have him controlled for is what gives this number here, the median um, number, or, you know, if you look at the highest, but he operates generally off the median. Um, and so you can see Jimenez in this scale of his is actually not far behind Frankie. Now, let's be real here. Um, it's not because he's expected to have the output that Frankie is, is having. It's because we have six years of control on a guy who is expected to be much, at least average or better than average um, than, uh, than a typical major league shortstop. Um, so that's mainly where his um, value is coming from. And then you get Rosario, who I'm guessing they're thinking of playing at second base or utilizing, there's been rumors that maybe they'll utilize him in like a Chris Taylor mode like the Dodgers have done. Um, and maybe even see what he can do at other positions and in the outfield. So we'll see about that. Um, so quickly as just a side on this deal, because I know there's a lot of criticism coming out there. Um, I looked at a lot of different people's takes on it, um, professionals out there who, who do this for a living. And a lot of them really see this deal, all things considered, um, being pretty good, which is sad. I know. Um, they view Jimenez as more, you know, we're looking at like, what's the most recent similar deal? You know, you had um, Betts and David Price going to the Dodgers. Now, obviously, David Price was a huge salary dump, and Carrasco is far from that. So that's, to me, the biggest difference there. Um, so that's why I don't love his inclusion in this, other than the fact that I, I love Cookie and I hate to see him go. Um, but most of them view Jimenez as more or less on par with Alex Verdugo. Um, and the rest of the pieces that, that the Red Sox got back in that deal um, tend to be viewed as lesser than the pieces that we got. So um, people are more or less saying that they think we got a fair deal, especially considering where things are. Does that mean we should like it? No, it doesn't mean we should like it. Like, I hate the fact that we lost Frankie and, and included Carrasco in the deal. Um, and we ended up with, you know, two guys who will be on our roster this year and that are middle infielders who one of them has a really high ceiling. Jimenez is thought of by, he was at one point a top 30 prospect. I mean, that's a big deal. He's, he's got a lot of potential. And he's shown in a little sample that he can be very good. Um, probably not Frankie good, no, but really good. Um, but I think you have to keep, real, keep realistically here that this guy was never coming back. They tried. They were apparently $100 million apart. You know, the latest reports say that they offered him a deal around $200 million. Um, I don't know how many years, but he wanted three. That's a big difference. They're, they're, they weren't getting, they weren't going to split the baby and make it, you know. Um, so that's where this ended up. Now, I love Cookie. I wish that we would have maybe got more, especially by including him. But I have no problem including him in a deal or getting him or trading him because two things. Um... He's older, and he's bound to decline. It's just the reality of life. Um, now, pitchers are pitching longer than they have before, and I hope the best for Cookie. But 
Um, it's just the reality. So I wish we would have got some major league outfield potential here. Now, based on what I saw in Chris Antonetti's interviews on Major League Net on the Major League Network, um, MLB Network, I think that they're going to bring someone in. How much of that money that they saved are they willing to reinvest? We'll see. It's going to really make a big deal to these fans, depending on what they do. My personal hope is that they bring in Jock Peterson. I've seen a lot of people want, talking about Brantley. I love Brantley. Love, love, love Brantley. Let's not get lost in the past, okay? He's not the player he was. He's still going to hit? Absolutely. Would he be an upgrade? Absolutely. Is he the best option out there for what he probably wants to get paid? Doubtful. Jock Peterson is younger, better defensively, and hits just as well. So my preference would be that we bring in Jock Peterson. Um, again, I don't know what it's going to cost, but I would love to see that move. Um, I think that would give us, um, along with what we've already got back in this deal, some, some potential to have a, a decent lineup. And we have to realize, I saw one guy make a comment that I think is, is, is more on than we probably want to accept, that maybe this team is looking at this and realizing that this year is going to be rough, that the financials are just going to be brutal. Um, that they're not going to have a lot of fans in the stands, that there's just a lot of factors that are going to make it hard for them. Um, and so we might get this year as, as a sort of lost year for the franchise, but a chance to see finally what these young guys can do and get a real good read on them. we got a lot of guys right now that are young that need to step up. Naylor, Bowers, Johnson, Mercado, um, Bobby Bradley, you know, We've seen a lot, of these, a lot of these sort of cases end up leaving and having good years because, you know, we, we couldn't keep them. Jesus Aguilar, Gio, Yandy, you know, a number of these players that we just didn't have a place for went on someplace else and, and are doing pretty well. So, you know, this will be a proving ground season maybe for some of these guys to get a feel and see what happens. And maybe, God willing, next year they'll spend some money. And we'll be back in contention with a couple key pieces that will that will complement the guys who had a chance to prove themselves. And we can cut bait on the ones that didn't make it. Who knows? It's a theory that I like, I hope, <laughs> is true. Um, and I still hope that they bring in at least one guy, um, at least a mid-tier outfield player. So... Um, yeah, so that's all I want to talk about with the Indians. We'll keep following what's happening with them, but I just wanted to talk about that trade real quick. Cavs. Um, I tell you what, this team is, is, is exciting. Um, the development has been amazing. J.B. Vickerstaff, I'm, I'm a big fan of right now. Um, if you didn't see the win last night, it was, it was, it was great. You know, they went out, they were down, um, they fought back. Coro is a player that I think... Uh, this town is going to love. Um, I'm not. I wasn't a big fan of Drummond coming into this year, but he's just playing like a like a monster. And, and, and even in a league that people say he's not, you know, a prototype center anymore, he's just playing well. He's playing really well. And last night he made this key pass to get Okoro the bucket cutting at the end, and it was it was awesome. So yeah, um, I think that uh, the Cavs are definitely developing again i'm not saying they're going to make the playoffs but i think that um they're going to have some fun exciting games and the players that were most worrisome last year are looking like 
they very well might be something, and that's exciting. So let's hope they continue to develop. Um, yeah. Um, I think that's all I got for today. Uh, I really hope that you guys um, have a good weekend and um, that this is a you know better time for us as 2021 unrolls here and that we can all just, uh, like I said in the beginning, get along, right? I hope you like, subscribe, share this with others. Um, you know, I just enjoy talking about all this stuff and I hope you guys enjoy hearing about it. And so if you do, share it with some friends and um, I'd appreciate it. All right. See you next time.